The network marketing industry has changed dramatically in the last decade. With the advent of social media, digital marketing, the rise of the influencer, and all the tech platforms that promise something extraordinary, how do you separate the helpful from the hype? Welcome to Beyond the Network Marketing Dream, where authenticity and relationships, simplicity and duplication are at the core of everything we focus on. The fundamentals of building still work. Join us as we go Beyond the Network Marketing Dream. Welcome, everybody, to today's show. I am with Tony Robleski, and Tony, it's going to be fun. Our first call got rescheduled, but you are the author of Positive Disruption, and you've got the second volume coming out, which is exciting. I know you've got a big marketing campaign coming out around that, so excited to have you on the show and love for you to just open up and share a little bit of your background, how you got to the space that you're in, and we'll get rolling there. Awesome. Well, Patrick, good to be on and congratulate you on getting this thing rolling. Your team reached out to us in the last few weeks to put this together. But really what I teach is the strategy of mind capture. How do you stand out in a nine-second attention span world? been doing this for quite a while, but I feel like a student every day, constantly learning. I'd like to really convey with your viewers here is that the things we talk about are real world. They're very applicable. If you ask me a question out of left field that I can't answer, I'm going to tell you I don't know. So how's that for transparency? I like it. No, that's perfect. Two of the things we talked about pre-show is just the importance of referral marketing. On network marketing, there are too many, I just call them imposters today, Tony. They're imposters because they're teaching direct digital marketing concepts. They're influencers. It's a one-to-many approach. And they're pretending to be network marketers. The power of network marketing is the people. And referrals, is that's what the whole business is built on. So. I'm excited about diving into that a little bit and some of the principles you teach around referral marketing. Yeah. Well, I think the big thing is that word of mouth is still by far the most powerful way to market. And the communication challenges are still the same of nine seconds, but now we have more media than ever, Patrick. So I look at it and say, hey, the average person knows about 250 people in their sphere of influence. Mm -hmm. Your mission is once they become a good client and a fan of the product or service that you are marketing is to tap into their circle of 250. What's made it even easier the last 20 years is now you can go onto their Facebook, their Instagram, their LinkedIn. You can see who they, they network with from more of a social level on Facebook to more of a corporate B2B level on LinkedIn. And now you've got TikTok, which is all over the place, but yeah. there's really no excuse not to be able to find direct circles of influence with your best customers and your team or your distributors. When I was in this industry many years ago, what I got really good at, I thought about this before we jumped on, was I was really good at customer acquisition in college. Now, it's been a few decades, so I'm going yeah. to date myself here, but I love the sales aspect. And I did it door to door back in the 90s. So I was young and dumb and didn't know anything different than just hey, go out and make a bunch of knocks on doors and good mm. things here. So that is probably the worst way to do it. But I learned at 19 and 20 years old, knocking on doors, I didn't have any fear. And also I learned that a few years later that there are better ways to market. So I got around great mentors that taught me how to sell, how to work referrals, how to be in a professional networking group. There's tons of them out there through chambers of commerce, through local business associations, where you're going to just naturally meet people that are also looking to meet other contacts or referral partners. So a lot of what I teach is sort of like roll your sleeves up old school, but it's blocking and tapping that is timeless 
no matter what one to many platforms are out there. How's that for an opening shot? No, I like it. And one of the challenges is there's a lot of coaching that says, look, you don't have to talk to anybody. And you're being very direct about, look, this is a business of relationships and referrals. And let's just face that out of the gate. There's a power in referral marketing. There's a power in the relationship. Can you speak to that just a little bit? I mean, why is it so much more effective than the one-to-many approach or the digital marketing approach, especially today? Well, we're look at your own inbox, your text, your phone, anything you have for communication going back and forth. You can tell when people are doing a canned approach. You've seen thousands of them in the last few years alone. It's not customized. It doesn't connect. So the thing I teach a lot is in the age of digital, you must customize to connect with people. And the best form about introduction or referral is that what someone else says about you is a thousand times more believable than your brochure, your slick webpage, your blog post. If their friend or their brother or sister loves that product or service and they refer you to someone they know, that there is a higher chance that the pre-selling is done for you. Doesn't mean they're going to commit to the product or the opportunity yet. But you don't have to go through all the cold calling, all the, I call the sales resistance or the BS meter. Everyone knows what that means. Mm -hmm. And everybody has it, particularly if we're in North America, we're the most bombarded, saturated market in the world is the US with marketing messages. So if it looks like a kind of a pitch, it smells too good to be true. People kind of know, wait for it. Here it comes. So to me, word of mouth still trumps everything. And again, if someone says, hey, I trust this person. You should get a hold of them or they're going to reach out to you. You have a better chance of getting more presentation. Feel as nervous. And they're pre-sold in the fact that, okay, I'll give you an audience at least, or I'll give you a few minutes of my time, or we can do a Zoom call now like we've done the last few years. But it is much smarter to work that way. Also, cold calling, it's very uncomfortable. No one really do it. And to me, if there's a smarter way to get in front of people that it might be the best prospects for your company or product or service, Go the smartest path. And I think the other thing too you mentioned is that everyone's selling the fact that it's all easy to get leads. Yeah, it's easy to get leads, but converting them and then making them stick for the long haul, that's what the challenges. I mean, Jim Rohn used to say the late great trainer of the personal development and network marketing space was no one can do your push-ups for you. And I don't know, but maybe because I just turned 50 this summer, (laughs) I just look back and go, boy, everyone's selling the super path of least resistance. It takes hard work. And I think what frustrates me, and I don't mind saying this, Patrick, you guys invited me to be on here, is a lot of direct sales companies are still selling all this hype. Get down to basic blocking and tackling. Mm-hmm. Teach your distributor force how to sell, how to ask for introductions or referrals. Let them know why people are so resistant. Not to scare them away from the opportunity. We're all adults. But if we don't provide the proper training, you send them out there and they sound scripted. They try lead generation email, they pop the email and it's scripted. And there's nothing wrong with scripting. But if it's all being duplicated over and over and the same prospect gets hit with the same seven scripts, everyone loses credibility. So I think as we head into 2023, more of the blocking and tackling, I think for a lot of my corporate clients that aren't in the direct sales space, they're going to get in here even now, get in here faster because it's tightened up. We need to know the basics so our sales force doesn't burn out. They're motivated. They pick up the phone or email or do the Zoom appointments, but they don't maybe feel like it, but they push through knowing that these things statistically work. They're not built on hype. And again, no one's going to do your push-ups for you like Jim Rohn taught me in my 20s. Well, 
Let me ask you this, Tony. So the blocking and tackling is so critical. When I started 25 years ago, I had a VHS tape, a fax, a phone, and a meeting. That was it. Like that was the whole business. So it was easy for my sponsor to teach blocking and tackling because I wasn't confused about what the tools were. Like it's all you could do. Like this is it. You have these four. Let's talk about blocking and tackling. Today, the average person has so many distractions with so many people promising a get-rich-quick model. And here's where the question is, is how do you then teach the how-tos? I know mindset's more important, and we'll get to that. But you do have to grab that brand new person and say, this is what I want you to do. Be authentic, yes. Be somewhat creative. But at the same time, if they have to invent their own marketing process, network marketing becomes incredibly difficult. There's got to be some process or system. So are you teaching anything in particular there today to those top leaders or enterprises? Yeah, that's a great question. And the answer is yes. My whole thing is you manage expectations. If you don't build a business like within a month, usually, it's usually a three to five year process. The Mm -hmm. same as someone selling life insurance through a legacy company or someone selling it through direct sales model. But you manage expectations that, hey, you see the top producers, they're your true north, your beacon, your aspiration to get there. But they don't often tell you that it maybe took them five or 10 years. Or they move from one company, which is, as an outsider kind of looking in, this happens all the time. They pull their downlines over and they jump from company to company. People are catching on because they can do reviews on people. They can check out different stuff through Google. And the digital trail now is making the appearance of overnight success really start to fade away because people can go, oh, well, they jump from that company, of course. Well, a year later, they're making 100 grand a month because most of their group found them. That's not directly teachable to someone brand new. And again, I don't have any problem saying this. That's what ticks me off about the direct sales industry as an outsider. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of cross-recruiting that's gone on since the beginning of time. But then there's not a real honest explanation how some of those distributors got there. I'm not trying to pick apart success, but I'm saying if you manage expectation and you tell the brand new recruit, typically if they're new to the industry, it's going to typically take a few years to build it to this income level, then they're not being sold a false bill of goods. Maybe a reason that I don't get welcomed into some of these groups is because I'm like, hey, I get the mindset, but there has to be some logical ways to market and be able to sell what you do. That's true of any type of organization. And let me get this out of the way. Everyone that joins a direct sales company, they're in sales. They think, well, it's just all point and click. It's really easy. I don't have to sell anything. I go, oh, God, get me out of here. Everyone right now on this planet, if they're trying to advance an idea, a product, a service, an invention, crowdfunding, Mm -hmm. we're selling. Everyone is selling. And there's nothing wrong with it. If I have lawyers sitting in an audience that watch me or CPAs that will have me come in and train their accountants on how to do referral marketing, the first half an hour, Patrick, they're terrified. They're like, oh. I'm not a salesperson. I'm like, it's okay to admit that you're in sales. It's a very noble profession. The minister on Saturday or Sunday or Friday at the synagogue is trying to sell you the message. The political fundraisers, that's about selling, okay? There is nothing wrong with it. I think now we're at a point with the age of the internet and Zoom calls that people need to know you have to get good at selling. It's going to help you even in the opportunity that you're joining If you love the company that you're with right now, the better salesperson you become, the more you can positively disrupt or influence people. 
it's gotten that connotation in Hollywood that I want to be a salesperson. I don't want to be a pushy salesperson. That's why I love referral marketing. I'd rather be introduced to people than cold call them like I used to do years ago. There's a better way. And that's why I'm so adamant about referrals. That's awesome. So two components, you said. The referral marketing side is critical and knowing the fundamentals there and then the mindset component. Talk to us about that a little bit. And how do you execute on that as a leader of an organization of teaching and driving proper mindset? I think the big thing is it's a lot of habit replacement. Okay, when I first started out in the direct sales industry many years ago, it was a shift to go from working to get a paycheck nine to five or eight to six to having residual income. Also, the mindset's critical because those around you are going to think maybe you're a little bit too high or you're crazy, you're nuts, you're in that new opportunity because they've seen other people around them get into a direct sales company and drive them nuts. So there's a subtlety that also has to be trained that, hey, if you're like calling people randomly out of the blue, hey, let's meet, they're going to go, what's going on here? It's under a false pretense. This happened to me last week. A guy from high school I went to school with texted me last week was like, hey, can we meet? I'm going through divorce. I you know you've been through one. Can you help me? I got to Panera Bread with him Friday. And after about five minutes, he went, hey, you're into health and fitness and working out, Tony. I said, yeah. And he goes, well, I'm a part of the nutritional company. I said, I'll call him Mike for safety. Yeah, yeah. I said, Mike, I need to help you about a very deep personal matter. I have a book launch. I'm really busy. I've always felt to give back to other friends of mine that are hurting. But I left the meeting like that was a setup meeting. I'm not dumb, Patrick. And I've really prayed and meditated out the last few days that I'm like, I haven't heard from him. So yeah. I'm wondering if that was sort of a sneak up meeting to present his opportunity, which he texted me a link. And I told him no twice. I said, I'm really busy the next few weeks. Send me a sample or get back to me in January. But I don't know who trained him or what was going on. But that to me was a setup. Yeah. And it occurs millions of times a day. And please, if you're a CEO, don't teach that. People are onto it. And yeah. it hurts the whole industry. I live 30 miles away from Amway corporation, the granddaddy of them all. And the joke is if someone meets you that you haven't seen in years, they start drawing circles, you're going to get a pitch meeting. No disrespect to Amway or whatever their name is now or their divisions, but people have seen it all. And I was kind of like surprised, like, wow, he tried to prospect me under a false pretense. Right. Which makes the distributor even more comfortable. Frankly, I mean, Because now they're coached to go do this. They sit there for 45 minutes. They've done it under a false pretense. And that's even worse than calling. I mean, I don't mind the the direct approach. Hey, look, this is what I'm doing. Would you do me a favor? Check out this survey. Let me know what you think. It'll take you one minute. Right? It's clear, like, this is what I'm doing. Would you take my one-minute survey? I get some insights. I follow up. Here's the reason I called. But when you do that whole other thing, now they're sitting there and they don't even know how to transition and they're so uncomfortable because they know they've done it, right? Yep. And he said there's a meeting that's next week that I'm going to be at. I I said, I have a book lunch coming up. I can't. I said, I'll call him Mike again. Mike, the answer is no. And he was like, no, come on. You can get there. I said, I can't. We are going to be swamped. I said, me getting right here today to Panera Bread. I know you're meeting with your daughter for lunch. I cleared some stuff to get her to help you. So I just thought, wait a minute, all of a sudden we shifted him wanting me to get into a meeting. So it was actually probably a presentation, which is great. Yeah. And I just thought, no, this you is wonder. Not- That's kind of crazy, isn't it? Yeah. I look at it and just go back to the mindset question, habit replacement. 
when you start into direct sales, what's beautiful, what I love is it got me into the personal development industry. I was in mm-hmm. college, learning more of the academic ivory tower way of looking at business. But direct sales opened this whole world of how do you prospect? How do you build residual income? Really, entrepreneurship was gifted to me at 19 years old. So I have huge respect for the industry. And getting a residual income check in college seemed like the eighth wonder of the world. It's like, yeah. So I know the times have changed, but had that door not opened to get into direct sales, I probably don't evolve to where I'm at now. So I am grateful for that opportunity. The company that I recruited into is still booming all these years later. But the habits that stuck with me was continue to work on yourself. You got to be around positive people. You have to replace your spare time with more positive habits. And you have to be aware that people around you are going to maybe freak out because you've changed. Society still likes the fact that you're kind of keeping up with the challenges you stay about to someone's level. And I will warn, a lot of the CEOs know this, many times your friends and family will turn on because they think you've lost your mind. Yeah. You're going to build business. Aren't you busy enough? But here's the good news. The last five years, what's become a common term in our, in our vernacular and business is side hustle. All the folks that are under 30, the Gen Z, they're like, oh yeah, I don't just have loyalty to a company anymore. I have two or three side hustles. Ding, ding, ding. If I'm an executive at a network marketing company watching or hearing this interview, mm-hmm. I'm like, now the next age group is open for multiple streams of income. They don't maybe all want to go work for a corporation for hopefully 20 or 30 years if they mm-hmm. can make it. They're already entrepreneurial focused. So if the right opportunity and the right person and the product or service suits them, they're looking for side hustle, aka a direct sales opportunity. If you come full circle, the younger generations are very open to entrepreneurship if it's done right. I don't want to keep I like that. Yeah. Telling the war stories here, but there are lessons that we call wisdom for those of us that are a little bit older chronologically. Yeah. They just look at it as another gig economy affiliate partnership kind of relationship. Talk to us about the book. Would it be good for an individual distributor or rep, or is it good for a leader? Positive Disruption, Volume 2. What's that about as we come to a close here, Tony? Who's good? What's a good audience for the book? Well, what I'm finding is this Volume 1, and here's Volume 2. We roll in a couple of days, so thank Beautiful. you. Beautiful. Um, a lot of leaders will get it and go, I want 500. They'll order for all of their employees. I've seen, for example, my health club, she ordered 300 of them for all the members of the club. She said, Tony, and basically what the book is, Patrick, it's a daily quote and a question. And in there, people write down and journal self-reflective questions. So it's a great personal resource tool to develop someone daily to get them in the habit of getting a little selfish to invest in going inward and saying, you know what? A great question and a great quote to help me self-reflect. It helps us to have great ideas, but a lot of gratitude is flowing through the pages of the book. And I am shocked. That's why we put in the volume two out. I love quotes and questions, the Socratic method. And I know you're big into a lot of that as me into the science work. Okay. And what I'm finding is I have therapists to yoga instructors to CEOs going, we want everyone to have this book right now. And I didn't know the first volume a couple of years ago would take off the way it did. It's been fun. But I think what's happened is when we came out of the lockdowns and COVID, people said, you know I have to stop and look at my life a little bit differently. When the world was put into a timeout and things slowed down for many people, they really started to question, what is my purpose or what is my why? Do I want to do things differently? Do I value the people that maybe I can't physically see now? So the book to me is a great way to go inward, to go upward and commit a lot of acts of kindness. 
throughout the given day. And it's fun. I've done the book myself. I am when I go back and look at my notes and go, wow, that was interesting. I'm glad I connected with that person. Mm-hmm. Very much a self-reflective journal. It's about the reader more so than me. It's hard to change anything in our lives that we're not even aware of as a problem. And it's all about change and growth. But awareness is such a huge step. We had a big, our monthly AHOD, all hands on deck, company-wide call, people in nine countries around the world. And we've got everybody working on this activity tracker. Just have a little more awareness, more for their own personal use, saying, hey, what am I doing every day? Where am I spending my time and my energy? Where are the highest energy levels? It's amazing how much awareness can come from little exercises like you're talking about, like the daily journaling. How much journaling are you suggesting they're doing in the book? Well, typically folks will recommend, you know, they get back to and say, we do it for a few minutes throughout the day. And there's little action steps like, I'll read you, I'll go to today's quote here real quick. Yeah. We're recording this on December 5th. It says, Rodney Winter said, scars are not signs of weakness. They are signs of survival and endurance. Questioned up, shift your day. What's one setback in your life that taught you a valuable lesson? So we go from both the positive and the negative side of life, the two wheels, the duality, and yeah. we dive into some of these will be a send a gratitude note or a thank you to three people right now. Who are those three people? Yeah. So it's fun to see the ripple effect of each daily. There's a new quote and question to challenge you, but also have you reflect deep. I think it's interesting. We, we plug our cell phones. And I'm reaching down for my charger. Every day we charge our cell phones in, but what are we doing to charge our spirit each day? Or sexy to be going 80 hours a week and burn yourself out to go, go, go. There's people that are looking for equanimity and more harmony. And balance is tricky. If you're a leader like yeah. I am, I know you're a leader, you can get way out of culture with our, our life balance. My balance is so messed up right now. I'm going to the gym afterwards to stay in physical shape after this interview. But I have been trying my best to not get out of balance with a book launch. <laughs> like, yeah. okay. Interview last night with a podcaster out of Australia on a Sunday night, time changes, who are we with? It's trying to be very present in the specific compartment of the day, knowing that things are lined down the line, but it's saying, stop, recharge each day, Tony, with your habits, your goals, your physicality, your meditations, your writing each day. And those things will produce consistent results versus me going, going, going and going, oh my God, I'm burned out. Now I'm sick. Now I'm grumpy and now I can't be a better service to my top client because I ran too fast and too furious. Too many people living in the reactive versus the proactive. I said the other night, I was with some friends and they're all talking about the Netflix episodes they're binge watching or whatever. And Julie and I, my wife were there 20 some years and we've been watching this, listening to this marriage podcast. It's five or 10 minutes a day. It's really good. And they all looked at us like deer in the headlights, like, Almost like, you guys okay? Like, there's not a problem that I actually want to improve this area of my life. Unfortunately, there's too much of that reactive versus proactive. And that's an exercise that sounds like it would be great for everybody. I'm excited to check it out myself. Tony, where can people reach you that might want more information on the book, on you, getting you to come in and speak at an engagement, or at least looking at what the options are? How do they reach out to you? Well, the simplest way to kind of research under the hood is go to mindcapturegroup.com. That's my main URL, mindcapturegroup.com. To get the books, probably Amazon or Barnes & Noble is your best way. If someone has an interest in, in bulk, they could email our team, operations at Mind Capture Group. We get a lot of those orders. And for sure, Patrick, I will send you a few books out to your direction. I think you guys are in Colorado. We are, yeah. 
So I'll get you a few copies as well. But no, thank you for this and having the guts to bring me on because this is definitely an industry I'd like to get more into. Matter of them feeling safe that I'm not going to make everyone mad in the organization. I'm not a threat, but I'm there to help because I love people. I love watching people succeed. There's different avenues to get there. There's direct sales models. There's indirect. There's corporate. There's affiliates. You name it. I've trained in it. But it's definitely an industry in 2023 that we definitely want to get out there and say, hey, here we are. We've been doing this a long well, time. You know, I got to tell you, I think the timing, the timing is good, Tony, too, because with COVID and the pandemic, there were so many people that were looking for solutions. They weren't able to connect one-on-one and they were desperate. And they started to look at these internet marketers and these social media gurus as the solution, and it's not. It's a very different business. And if that works, you don't need people. Now people are getting back to the gritty nature of, listen, I'm going to go out there. I'll get a little out of my comfort zone. I'll learn to build relationships. I'll build rapport. I'll build a real team. And the truth, the hard facts of life about, look, it's not a walk in the park. It's not easy, but it's rewarding. And it yep. can be incredibly beneficial. I think people are ready for that message. So it's been awesome having you on. And I think it's the timing is good. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And keep up the good work you're doing. And thank you for sharing that tip about your wife, because I'm always learning constantly too, Patrick. I'm like, oh, it's a great way to keep that connection strong. Yeah, no, for sure. Thank you. Great being with you, Tony. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Network Marketing Dream with Patrick Shaw. For more insights on building a solid networking business, visit our website at rapidfunnel.com MLM. If you loved our content, please share, like, and subscribe. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode.